Hail Carl. Here on Yesterday USA. And what happened there? Do we have a dead CD here? Hmm, I don't know. Hello, Patricia. Hello. Ah, there we go. No, hey, that's good news. The CD player works. I like that. <laughs> Technical problems are part of live radio. Yeah. It is good to be back. So how was your Do you have any idea yet how much P.T. Barnum charged his audience of 6,000 when he introduced the Swedish Nightingale, Jenny Lind, Swedish Nightingale was her nickname. Uh, he introduced her to the American audience in New York City, 6000 and he charged a basic price. Some of the tickets were more. Basic price. Mm -hmm. You guessed 50 cents. Mm -hmm. Want to take another shot? Sure, a buck. How about $3? In, Holy cow! In 1850. $3. $3. And that was the basic price. Some tickets were more. You know, remember the movie Gone with the Wind? When it came out in 1939, they charged uh, big bucks for it. Like an opening night kind of pre-heating. Uh-huh. And I think it was two bucks. Gone with the wind. Yeah, and considering what was it, movie ten cents or something, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. So three bucks for Jenny Lynn. Well, she was a well-known singer, I know, but I didn't know she. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she was that good. Yeah, well, I, I say can't think of 1850. Yeah. I don't know what the economy was in 1850, and whether or not people were freewheeling. You know, I have well, a lot of discussionary income. I do it, not know. It, it was a part of the Gilded Age, I believe. I, I think the Gilded Age was before the Civil War. So the m money could have flowed. Money could have flowed. M money could have knew flowed. how to promote, however. I, and I have an old-time radio trivia question based upon B.T. Barnum. Okay. And that you should know. Okay. What show did he appear in? B.T. Barnum? Uh-huh. I should know this? Yes. Well, if I should know it, it must have been a Fibber McGee and Molly show. No, no. But it's a show that you you and I both love. Oh, we love so much. I know, we do. We love Henry Alden. We do. We love the Great Gilbert. We do. Uh, think of a Western. We love Western? A Western. Frontier Gentleman? Uh, something that, you know, uh, something, uh, my, it's my favorite Western. Your favorite Western. And you totally agree with my, my taste. <laughs> <laughs> I hope 
everybody noticed that. <laughs> I agree with your taste. Well, my goodness. I don't know what your favorite Western is. You do, too. Is, I do? Uh-huh. Not the Lone Ranger? No. Red Rider? No. It was on for one year? How long, Cassidy? No. Roy Rogers. Roy no. Rogers! No. Goodness gracious, what? what is your favorite? Star the movie star. Who I think what? who who I thought was great on radio. Who 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 And let's see if the, I bet the caller knows the answer. Hello there. Do you know the answer? Sure, gun smoke. Uh no one, no. No. <laughs> no. But this Thank is you. Thank this, you. I'm feeling vindicated this, now. This show I think is uh, and I'm probably in total in the minority, I think it's uh it's terrific writing. Better than gun smoke in my opinion. When this was in the 1800s, and alive had a radio. <laughs> I know that's the, that is the trick question of the whole thing. But the character B.T. Barnes appeared on this one episode of this radio show. And it's a western that you love, and you're telling me I love it too. Yes. Well, I love Paladin, and I love Frontier Gentlemen. You love the six shooter. That is the answer. The six shooter. Oh. I don't love the six shooter. <laughs> See, you threw me off there. <laughs> you but love the six shooter. I do. And, and you might remember it's the episode where he is on the stage as a Shakespearean actor. I remember that. And, and the guy who wants to hire me as, a, as an actor at BT Parnum. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I And I do remember that show. I believe yeah. I've listened to them all. Nolan? Yes, and I, I was going to contribute something for a change. Good! Uh, for Ralph, about Tailspin Tommy. Uh-huh. That was a, a movie serial. He, he was correct. It was a motion picture or a movie serial. And it starred Gene Rogers and Noel Berry Jr. Hmm. And an actor named uh, Clark Williams. I haven't heard of him. He was the hero. Good-looking guy. And then the radio show followed, I, I think, this, uh, this serial. Not... I don't have a date on it, but I, I would guess uh, mid-30s or uh, late, late, mid to late-30s. And I don't recall the dates on the shows that I sent to, to Ralph, the Tailspin Tommy radio shows. I didn't, as I told him, I had never even heard the name before, and now you're telling me they were even out in movies? Yeah, uh, well, my serial, uh, you know, geared at the uh, younger crowd. Uh-huh. But it's, it's well done. I, it's, it's held up well, and the photography's good, and... Uh, as serials go, it's it's pretty good. Was it four times? Oh, you said in the 30s, though. Uh -huh. Yes, uh, and, uh, and you, I was hoping you'd know the radio show's dates, but you, maybe later you can find that out. We can, well, I, I have an interesting... Talking for just a couple of seconds. I have an interesting story about Noah Bell Jr. Do you? Um, Mike, 31st, 1946. Um... Lux Radio Theater had the Berry family do a radio show together. Uh, Wallace Berry, uh, their daughter Carol Ann, and Noel Berry Sr. And right after the rehearsal, Noel Berry Sr. passed away. So his son, Noel Berry Jr., stepped in and did the broadcast that night. Very unusual circumstances, but uh, he felt... Wow. He's building for his own dad on his own on his on the on Luxray or Theater right after the rehearsal. So oh. well, hey. well interesting. Yeah, dope. Very 
is. And that's, that's really, it, it's heartbreaking to think that somebody had to do that. Yeah. Wow. Okay, are you ready, Nolan? What, what, what's going on? What's going to happen? He found the dates of the radio show, I bet. Oh, did you? Good. He found the dates of the radio show. The two that are available, uh, one is from September 5th, 1941, and the other is from October 3rd, 1941. They're episodes one and five. I don't know where they fit in. I don't know what kind of a series it was. I don't know how long it went. I don't know if it was just a summer replacement. I don't know. But those are the two dates that I have. It's a commercial site that said there are four shows available for sale. I don't know the names of those four episodes, but the only two I could find to download are available in a couple of places, but just two. Okay. The other thing I wanted to, uh, is it Madam President in uh, New York? Yes. That she was talking about not playing her radio. Actually, it's not very good for it if you don't play it. Uh, ah. About maybe an hour every month would be good. Uh-huh. A little more, because it, it, the parts underneath, the tubes, will dry out and eventually cause problems. Ah, uh, okay. I'm sorry, not dry out, but the other, the reverse, the, uh, they'll get... They'll get moisture. Will they erode? Much moisture, and, and with the uh, running at an hour or so a month, will dry that out. Some collectors might say even more or less. Uh, that, that's what's worked for me. I, I don't have a big collection. I have several. Uh, my pride and joy is the Walton radio that I have, the uh, 38 uh, Zenith. Uh-huh. The Tuning Eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. Yeah, that that's uh, they use it quite often in the uh, show, talking, getting the war news. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The radio. It's a table model, but it's, it's huge. Do you buy replacement bulbs? Excuse me. Do you are you able to buy replacement bulbs when when they blow? Tubes. Tubes, not bulbs. <laughs> I'm thinking Christmas. Tubes, yeah. They are available on the internet and and a lot more than you might really uh, possibly think. They're out there. Uh-huh. And uh, most everything is available. And as a matter of fact, Walton, you may know this. The um, Japanese when the Transistor came out and, of course, revolutionized everything. Right. The, for some reason, they did not like the sound that, that came with the transistor and the uh, uh, digital uh, format even more. And they would buy, continuing to get the tubes and manufacture them, and, and they would buy amplifiers from people that still had tubes in them. Huh. It's a softer sound, and it's not, I know it was kind of a cultural shock when I heard the first uh, CD of a say, a Joni James album that I had uh, on 45, or, or uh, not 45, but 33 and a third, and to hear it on with that digital quality without any pops or ticks was, you had to get used to it. I, I did. I, it, it just didn't sound right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, because of that, because of collectors and, and uh, there are tubes out there, I, I would imagine she could replace them. I, I have a couple of spares that I have acquired uh, along the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but anyway, I would recommend that she enjoy the radio and listen to it occasionally. Yeah, thank you for the advice. I, I, I have a 1948 Philco combination model, and we family just bought it up here not too long ago. But the only thing that's sad about it 
want to use the turntable to play 78, it's got the belt click, 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 so I know I need to go inside and fix the belt. That's probably the reason why I would hear the click, click, click sound. But, uh... It comes out your speaker, or is it just a mechanical? It, 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 I can hear it through the speakers, so... Oh. Um, yeah, it's probably in the turntable. And yeah. Bring it up into the tone arm. And yeah. You're, you're hearing it that way. But, uh... It was, it was interesting to hear you say about the difference in the sound. You're accustomed to hearing a person or a sound in one way, and then they clean it up, take out all the scratches, all of the pops, put it in digital, and it sounds different. Um, one of the things that people tease me about is that I love the scratches. I love the old sounds. If I'm listening to an old blues or um, cocktail lounge singer belting it out from the 1920s and 1930s, I want to hear all the scratches and pops, and it, it's just part of that recording. When you clean it up, it doesn't sound the same. You know, another thing that came back to me once, somebody, one of the collectors on the build station had played a, a gun smoke that had been recorded off the air on somebody's radio. Uh -huh. and there was obviously a, a thunderstorm nearby. <laughs> you would hear the, the the static made by lightning. Oh, my gosh. Kind of a, it brought me back a, a long way because I, many times I've listened to that program and that might be a storm going on. Uh-huh. You know, you're uh, nice and warm inside with your radio and it, and, uh, it just brought back a lot of memories. Blowing like mad outside. Wow. Do you want these two tailspin, Tommy? I'd be happy to email them to you. Sure. Yeah, that, that'd be great. I, I have this serial. If Ralph wants a copy of that, he can let me know, and I'll get it to him through you. The serial movies? Yeah. Oh, wow. Ralph, are you listening? <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I hope that I, he'll be thrilled. If he's not listening, he'll be thrilled next week. Otherwise, he's thrilled right now. That's great. Sure, I'm, I will um, pass it. Is it okay if I send him your email? Sure. Okay, I'd be happy to do that. I will do that. Well, now, when, did you, were you guys allowed to bring records home to play on the air? And if so, did you guys have some device to help kick out the, to lower the, Snack, crackles, and pop over the air. I mean, was there a way to clean that off? You know, if you were playing a 78 or a 45 or a 33. Yeah, it was 45 for my generation, but uh, do you mean take the records from the radio station? No, yeah, well, no. Let's just say you were at the record station, you were at a radio station, and you real you wanted to play a certain song, but you know the, the radio station didn't have it, but you had it in your own files. Oh, oh, I see. Uh huh. That seldom happened to me. <laughs> they got it first, and I, I would get a promo copy, which is the record company would send out an additional one because they wear out, uh, oddly enough. And sure. Have you ever heard of an expression called Q-burn? I, I have not. That is when, uh, uh, Patricia, you may or may not know this, but when we played records on uh, the radio, you, you, did you ever wonder why they start immediately as the DJ announces that they... Yes. Yes. To you that that was something must be different because they don't start that way when I put, put right. the needle down on them. Right. Well, they, they would, you would put the needle on the record and spin it forward. Then when you heard the sound, you'd back it back a quarter of a turn. Right. And then you hit the switch for it to go, it would be right there. You know, the first note of music would be right there. Yeah, you had, you had that kind of turntable you can go back and forth with. Mm -hmm. 
had the kind of the tone arm that would allow you to play it backwards. However, when you, after a while of doing that, of all of us doing the record, as it was called, it would start to wear right in there in the very beginning. And many times the record would sound like you were going through a storm. Right. Uh, until it got to the first few words after that, that would portion in there that would wear out. Right. All that's to say that the record company usually would send along another one, or they would put the same song on both sides of the record. Ah, okay. Because they did wear out. Well, how often would you get a copy of a disc jockey cut versus a commercial release? In other words, it seemed like some songs were recorded different lengths. I, I, you know, I think some versions, they, they gave the disc jockey either a longer or a shorter play versus what they will re- release in the store. Is that pretty common or not? Well, it, it happened. I, the prime example I can think of is El Paso by mm-hmm. Johnny uh, Horton. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, Marty Robbins. Marty Robbins, yeah. Um, that ran four and, a half min- four and a half to five minutes in its original form. Right. And everybody in the record business would try to, anytime somebody released a record, they tried to get it 2.30 or, or less, or two thirty between 2.30 and three minutes. Mm-hmm. Because they felt that the DJs wouldn't play it because it would take up too much time from the commercials. Right. But they certainly suddenly realized that if we read two commercials, we could play the record and it would, it would fit fine. And that's when that, that sort of uh, blew, away, blew off that two minutes and 30 second business. But Got it. The, we used to call that the relief record. You could almost put, put that on and go get a cup of coffee <laughs> and come back leisurely. And uh, kind of take a five-minute break because otherwise you, you we had, we had two and a half-minute breaks. That's when the songs were playing, and you were busy during that time getting the next one ready. And uh, it's it's a, I know in the latter part of my management days, I, I was one of these guys that said, "Well, you kids really have it nice. You should have <laughs> see what we had to do in the fifties. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the uh, they have computers now that it'll transfer one song to another, or they walk out for five minutes and or Longer than that. I remember going to a radio station in the 70s and we would get a tour and he must have been set by an automation system because every so often the guy would hear this whistle or was watching the clock and he would go in and put a new tape in. So I guess those would have been, you know, pre-formatted radio stations if he, if he was doing something like that. They had um, silent sense units in those tape mm-hmm. automation play, players. They would uh, sense more than four seconds silence, it would start an alarm. Mm. You'd have to run back in there, but it became, with computers, it became so dependable and so uh, beautiful and, and, and workable that it really did spoil everybody. <laughs> I mean, it was at the point where we used a service to, for the, because with five radio stations, we couldn't program each one of them with all the music, but there are services out there, as you probably know, that do that. And it was so sophisticated that they would load in to your computer overnight new new uh, replacement songs for ones that they wanted to move into a more frequent play or less, whatever it might be. You wouldn't even know it until you printed it out the next day. you have any idea how to do this today? I mean, I, I understand nowadays that they, radio stations are pulling everything off a hard drive. You, you, you think they, you think of the format of just dropping songs on somebody's hard drive and... Uh, every night to change the, the mix. I mean, you have. I imagine they're doing that. You have any idea how they're doing it today, Nolan? That was, uh, as I was saying, when they downloaded the, the songs, it was on the hard drive. Okay, okay. And it was uh, from. Got it. Those days. Right. I was thinking from satellite in those days, and I was thinking now it's just probably 
I don't know if most people know. Um, one of the shows that we play here in Yesterday USA, the um, national shows. I'm talking one radio was um, Twilight Zone. Those shows, folks, uh, those are no longer mailed to Bill Bragg. Bill has to go to a website and to download those shows. And that's how they syndicate shows nowadays. In the old days, uh, they would mail uh, to radio stations the, about once every two weeks the shows that they want to be played. But nowadays, you, you, you're given a code and you go to a special syndication website and you download the shows and there you go. It saves, it saves, saves a lot of mailing for the syndicator, for one thing. So. Sure. They also would send by on the internet the uh, music list because they would tell you what song to play every hour. Mm. Uh, they, they, they wouldn't tell you necessarily, but your automation would, would play it automatically because it, it would, uh, the information was downloaded to the computer and it would. How would you keep track of uh, what were the popular songs of the week? Did, you, did the disc jockey have to keep track of a log back in those days? Did, I mean, I imagine you, you were part of a radio station that on the weekend you had your own top 40 you know, of the week or whatever. How would you guys keep track of that? Or would there be some national service that would send you these are the top 40 songs that play for this week? I mean, were there... The service would tell you what they were and, how, and the order in which to play them. Okay. And it, it automatically ran that way. Uh, in the earlier days, 50s and 60s, you would go to Billboard magazine or one of the trade magazines to get the, the uh, where they were on the charts mm. and how, how often you wanted to play that song. And I'm sorry, I have a little bit of a sore throat tonight, but I hope you can hear me. We can hear you. Yeah, you're fine. You're, you're fine. I was uh, just reminiscing. I'm going for my 50-year class reunion next month. Oh, isn't that scary? It is. Uh but the thing about our generation, and Walden touched on this uh, another time, we were talking about the the era of the uh, Joni James and Teddy Collins and Frank right. Sinatra and that sort of thing. Yeah. We are the first generation to have our own music. Correct. generation was the one that was playing Elvis when they were playing Frank Sinatra for the adults. Correct. Platters for the kids and the Andrew sisters for the adults. And that was that. Period in music history is is very very vital and and uh, quite a change and we were and think how lucky I was to be a teenage disc jockey during that period and you could you could hardly go wrong. Remarkable, Nolan. That was a very sharp transition from the Andrew Sisters to Elvis Presley. It was there. Was it faster than any other time in history? Which is in my brain. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about music, but even from the flapper days, for example, into the 30s and from the 30s into the 40s, it seems like this was a much faster and sharper transition. Oh, I, absolutely. I think so, because you had the rock, rockabilly uh, influence. The uh, They called it in those days race music mm-hmm. uh, influence. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the uh, a little bit of the, of the country uh, the rockabilly and the, and the and the regular country all put together to come up with rock and roll, um, and yeah, I think anybody would say that was a greater transition than than ever, in, as you say, in music history. Left the parents in the dust. Well, if you think about it, in the 30s and 40s, uh, music back then, even the popular band had a didn't have the generation separation as you did as you as we saw 
today. I mean, let's face it, what they play today is so narrowly defined for, for generations. I mean, kids who are 18, 19 are listening to their own music. The, the people in their uh, late 40s are not, are not listening to that music. So you have a, a definitely generation gap just because of taste of music today versus 50 years ago. I have a pristine copy of Rock Around the Clock. Mm. Whoa! And on there, it says Foxtrot. <laughs> I heard okay. people say once that that song has been featured in 15 movies. Either as the uh, theme for the whole movie or it was played somewhere in the movie 15 times. Wow. Kind of record, I think. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. I'm in a horse mood tonight. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, the, uh, the uh, that was, uh, I got that in about Ralph's, yeah, I got everything on my list here. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I did, and let, I'll get out of the way so some people can answer your Fipper McGee questions. Ooh, do you know any of the answers? Uh, no, I haven't heard the questions, but. Uh, oh, well, of course you haven't. <laughs> I didn't ask them yet. I'm a little fuzzy tonight. <laughs> I'm taking things out of sequence tonight. Thank you for reminding me. I do have some questions. You want one? Are we doing Karnak or Johnny Carson used to do? This is exactly what's happening to me here. Um, would, would you like a fibber question? Uh, I, I wasn't listening too closely, but I'll, I'll try. I don't want to. I've won enough prizes this week, this month. But. All right. Let's see. Well, you, you really haven't won enough because I've only got one CD here for you. And the envelope... <laughs> that you're going to be sending to me can handle a whole lot more than one. By the way, ch- switching gears just a moment, you said <laughs> use DVDs. Do you just use it on a standard recorder, like the one in your computer, and it will huh? automatically sure. and to, save, say, 25 hours or something? It uh, Say that again about the 20 hours? Well, for example, the, the run you sent me was 50 half-hour shows. Uh-huh. Well, it was 25 hours, I guess. Uh, um, but it, and if I wanted to put something on a DVD on my recorder that's in my computer, I just go ahead and do it, and it'll it'll take as much as I can put in there for 25 hours. I you have something different with your recorder that you normally do with your your standard CD. It, it's the number of megabytes, not the amount of time, that um, dictates how much I can put on a DVD or a CD. Uh. Now, the files that I sent to you were so large that those 25 shows wouldn't fit on a CD, which is why I put them on a DVD. Right, okay. And it operates on my computer the same way as a CD. I just drag and drop and burn, and I can do that with either the CD or the DVD. And now, prices on DVDs are dropping so fast, and so... I, that's right. They're just dropping, like, so almost economic is starting to make sense to put things on DVDs now. Mm-hmm. Which is what I, I was explaining to Walden during the week. The price of the DVDs are about the same as CDs now. So when someone uh, here, for example, on the Saturday night show wins at trivia prizes and they've got two or three CDs, I'll drop them now on a DVD, put everything on a single disc instead of packing up a whole bunch of CDs. I only pack one DVD. Well, that's great. Does yeah. that make any sense? 
Yeah, sure does. And you just keep dropping, and the computer will tell you when it's full. Uh-huh. That, that's exactly right. It's almost what you would say it can, a DVD can hold at least, what, five times more programming. Yeah, what? it's 4.7 gigabytes on a DVD, and it's about 700 megabytes on a CD. So that's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Very, very much so. Very much. So anyway, that's how come you got yours on a DVD, because they were too fat to fit on a CD. <laughs> the files are fairly large. Uh, if you check out, um, the number of megabytes per show was pretty big. No sacrificing in quality, too. It was very yeah. good. It should have been very good because of the size of them. I'm, I'm glad they were. Some of and these shows are they're just not, you know, they're okay for listening. But once in a while you come across a set that really sounds good. So I'm glad that was it. What, what about MP3s? Uh, if you were to put those on a DVD, would that? That's what I did. That's what you've got. What oh, is? Uh-huh. They are MP3s. Okay. Yep. I, uh, I didn't know that. All right. I'm just using the DVDs as if they were CDs. They've just got a greater capacity. I'm I'm learning. I I thought I was uh, up to date in the 50s. I had a record player in my car. <laughs> wow! Wow! That's pretty good. But I, the um, Chrysler uh, Corporation came out with them for for the Chryslers that year in '58, I think. Are you serious? Record players? Yeah, play 45s. And it was just under the dashboard, uh, where the under your radio, and you put the records upside down. You, you, uh, you picture a record changer, like, like they had in those days. We had that uh, had the big spindle on it, and it would drop the record down like all record changers did. Right. Uh-huh. In this case, you turned it upside down and pushed the records up, and it would drop them down to the turntable. Uh, I, I'm sorry, the uh, pickup arm would would play them upside down. Yeah. So that when you the arm moved, you could drop the record down and then bring the arm back, and the next record you wanted to play would be on the stack. And you had to get used to that. But I went to the Chrysler dealer in, in uh, my hometown there in Dalton and, and uh, asked if he could order me one, and he did. And my engineer, or the engineer at the radio station where I worked, helped me wire it in. And uh, that was kind of exclusive. I had only Ford with a record player. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm not really doing very well with you guys tonight. I thought that was one of the fun things, and I wasn't going to let it go over my head. I thought you were joshing me. Oh, just uh, just now? Yeah. How unlike me to josh you. <laughs> when you said you had a record player in the car, it made me laugh. I didn't know that you could do that. It was, it was kind of hard on records because the oh, uh, arm was pretty heavy in order to keep it from skipping, you know, during when you're driving. It was fine if you were parked in the parking lot, but my gosh, hopping across country, you probably had punctures in your records <laughs> by the time you got finished. Well, it, I, I found out earlier that I dare not take the records from the radio station and play them in there because it did <laughs> groove. It made a difference in the quality, can we say? <laughs> I brought them back, so I... Yeah, use my own music. It wore out quicker, but it was worth it to have the uh, the choice there. Um, Ellen, I did not know. And you're telling me that it was Chrysler. You said put yeah, out a I think it was with it. The Imperial, you know, the the big uh, dollar Chrysler. Uh huh. Those days, the Chrysler, the Imperial Chrysler or Chrysler Imperial, whatever, was the one that came out with its standard equipment. And how long did that last? Uh, about two years, I think, and then. Uh, it started with, I guess, eight tracks and 
Walton was naming those in order one night where we had the different formats we yeah. had. Walter, uh, I was going to ask you about, uh, did the mini-disc come in there at any point where it was... Uh, it was, boy, it was, in, it was in and out within a couple of years, you know. It, and I say that's about the, the 90s when that hit, but that was so fast, you know, when the mini-disc came in and came, went, went, out, right, went out the door. You're talking mini-CDs? Mini-disc. Um, yeah, they were CDs, really, I guess. Uh, I guess in a way. They were digital. Right. It was a digital. It, was, it looked like uh, some of the ones I saw, saw but it looked like a small cassette. And they called those mini discs. They even had, as what known as they even had one that looked like small mini CDs, too. Um, you know, t that's a, that was for a while, we just didn't know what format it was going to take. You know, I mean, some of those things. Oh, for example, remember in uh, videos. Remember how quick we went through the laser disc? I mean, yeah. that that whole format didn't stick around very long. And I, I still have a player and a lot of <laughs> laser discs. Yeah. I, I need to uh, put on eBay or something. Right. Somebody else enjoy them, but the quality was very good. Oh I, yeah. Yeah. It was cumbersome to have those big discs, but it, it was good. It was a good quality, but it fade in, fade out. I mean. Was the quality as good as what you can get on a digital CD now? I, I think so. I think the um, it's comparable. It's just the big format, the, the big platters that you had to work with uh -huh. uh, were cumbersome, and then they managed to squeeze it down with the technology that you were talking about earlier. But it, it was very good. Now I've only seen uh, movies on there that were... Uh, uh, Redone or, or uh, re-enhanced. Right. What is the word I'm thinking of? Restored. Yeah, re re release. They look they look great. In fact, the the Republic Pictures did most of their serial inventory on those big discs. Well, the thing that gets me now, no, and I don't know. Um, our friend Brian Hendrickson up in Seattle, saying now Warner Brothers are restoring a lot of the classic movies now, huh? but it's video on demand. In other words, you go to the website. You order and you burn your DVD from the website. They're no longer using buying stores. You can go to a site, and when they release a new classic movie, that's how they're doing it. Wow. Post office is really taking a licking between us and the delivering that stuff by satellite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the internet, I guess. Well, that's why you see, uh, you know, blockbusters a billion dollars in debt and. Barnes Noble, all these places are going to go by the board. It's just a whole new technology is changing the whole landscape. Reed, did I read recently that Blockbusters has blocked and bust? Yes. Fun. It's it's um it's in bankruptcy. Uh huh. Supposed to be this month. And the, this new um, AT and T service, we we've had it in our house for about three or four months now. That uh, allows you to. Play back any recording on any TV in the house. Mm. Uh, in other words, you start a movie in the den, say, and you want to go upstairs and finish it in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. It'll, you put it on pause. You go up there and you can bring it back up. Um, it, and it has uh, features like you can put your entire record collection on this uh, in your computer, and this system will reach in there and play any song you want to. It'll have the, they'll be listed on the screen. And also, you can have your your family photographs in there, and bring them up, and and then choose music to go behind the the pictures. It's amazing. That's 
It's almost Orwellian. It, it is. I, one night we were at dinner, and I was telling my son about a movie that I thought he would like that uh, came out in the uh, 70s, I think. It was called The Last Detail. And and I was he said, about when that when did that come out? And I guessed and so forth. And within two minutes, he passed his uh, Blackberry or Blueberry or whatever it was across the table, and that movie was showing on that screen. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, this is spooky. This really is. Uh-huh. But... Uh, I, I love it. I love gadgets, and I love to, it's a nice time to be alive. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, that's one of my goals is to uh, get my all my analog files and Frank Percy's analog file on the digital format. Because that's what we all have. It's, you know, and that's the major task, trying to get analog into digital. That That's time-consuming. Well, it really is. But uh, it, it's, where it go, it's where it's going. That's, I have one reel-to-reel -reel left that really works well, and I'm going to talk about earlier some of the bloopers are on the re open reel tapes, and it's very hard to play them, uh, say, down the line like we do, mm -hmm. because you can't arrange the cuts on there like you want them, or you can go from one to the next. And it's really uh, archaic, but this is a beautiful machine. I just hate to uh, have to you know, watch it go out of style completely. Yeah. There was some guy... This uh, Bill's acquaintance that uh, repairs those things and swears by them, and he wouldn't use anything else but open reel. But yeah. um, I can't remember his name, but he, he made an interesting point about collectors using it and using four tracks or something and, and putting the, their inventory on there. But it, um, the CDs sure are convenient. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's... that's 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 what we're that's what Bill's doing with the station. He's getting everything off the cassettes and put it on all CDs. So every show you're gonna eventually hear in the station, not too long, it's gonna all be hard drive and CD format. So good. Yeah. Great. Well, make his life easier. Life is getting so easy in this medium. It's scary. Mm. It really is scary. Well. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next four to five years. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I will talk to you later on, and if you'll give me some information for Ralph, I'll drop him a note. Okay, I'll send, his, I'll send your email to him, and he can contact you. Perfect, okay. Okay, so I'll get the shows out to you. They're too big to email. I'm going to have to crunch them down a little bit. Okay. I have to make them a little bit smaller. Okay. Y'all have a good night. Thank you. You too. Okay. Thanks, Nolan. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Todd, did you notice Patricia had a southern accent going there? Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get to say y'all. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. I didn't know you had that part of you, Patricia. I have a y'all. Hello there. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> you just you just heard that you can buy um, tubes and you should run your radio. Heard everything that was said and Good. I I appreciate Nolan bringing that up. But my father did teach me years ago that with electronics, especially radios and stuff, you have to turn them on. It's just like a car; you cannot leave it sitting in the driveway and not do anything. You have to start it every so often and keep it oiled well. So, but I, I did know about that, but I'm, I'm glad that he brought it up so this way other people could hear that, too, that, you know, might have radios that have tubes.
and um, I, I will look on the Internet for certain tubes that I will take advantage and stock up on some things. Yeah. It's comforting to know that stuff is out there. Well, yeah, you, you need... You know, I was a DJ for WERA 1530 AM out of South Plainfield, New Jersey. And you were talking about, you know, Walden asked, what did you use knowing, you know, what songs were the top songs? And we used Billboard, and we also had a playlist. And when I would come in and start my show, the previous DJ would tell me, and you had, uh, Nolan can verify this, Many of us went off the track of the list, and we got we had to pay heck for it. But you were supposed to follow this list to the letter. And when you would go in, the DJ would tell you, "Okay, I stopped at number ninety-seven," and you would have to do ninety-eight, ninety-nine, one hundred. And then when you left, you had to tell the DJ coming on what number you stopped at. But there were many times that we got all heck raised with us because we went off the list. You know, it got repetitious and very boring. And and the the manager would come in and he'd scream at you, "What? Yeah, stick to the list, stick to the list." And he was like, yeah, okay, goodbye. I guess Gordon McClinda was not a popular fan for the disc jockeys. You know, he was the one. He was the one invented the top forty concept. Yeah. 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 It, it was, um, it was, but when I was doing it, I would bring in like a, a whole mess load of 45s. You know, we used carts, which right. were eight tracks. Right. You know, and the the commercials were on the eight tracks, and the songs were on eight tracks. And in between songs, you're pulling from here, pu- putting back in there, pulling from there, mm-hmm. putting. <laughs> Watching the clock, watching the clock, and then of course you had to do the live, re- you know, news reports and weather and your uh, your area school reports and closings and stuff. It was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I miss it. I really do miss it. Lucy, how many times a week were you broadcasting? Five days a week. So if you're you're running a 100 a top 100 cycle, did you wind up with the same songs days in a row? Me personally, no. No, because of the way it went, it was a 24-hour station, It and then there were uh, times where they it. were doing live uh, bas- high school local basketball games, football mm-hmm. games. Um, who bought time to do a country show live from a, a club, a country club that played nothing but country music? Um, who had uh, discussion panels? shows and so it wasn't always just music there was something for everybody and there were also uh like who had a jazz show who had an oldies show so it 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 really never believe it or not would come up that repetitious Mm -hmm. but there were times where it was like i'm tired of hearing this song i want to play something else so here I had my 45s and a handful I'd bring in and I'd pop them on. I'd <laughs> get yelled at, but I would pop them on. Lucy, how did you get into radio? Did a story? Did you just walk into a radio station and say, oh, here I am? Do you really want to know how I got I do. Okay. I was not feeling well, and I was lying in bed, 
and I was going through different stations very slowly, you know, like you would do years ago with your transistor radio so that you could possibly pull in another station that you weren't familiar with. And I was going through some radio stations, and I stopped at one that was playing some nice oldies, some that you really didn't hear much of anymore. And they were having a contest, and they asked a question, and I called in. I answered the question, and they were speaking to me for quite a while. And the deal was that I had to go to the radio station and pick the tickets up that I had won. So when I had gone to pick up the tickets, the general manager came out, because obviously he had told the secretary that when I came in, he wanted to speak with me. He loved my voice so much that he asked me if I had done radio, and I said, well, I've done professional commercials for radio. I said, but I've never done a radio show. And I got a crash course, and that's all she wrote. And there you were. And there I was. Yeah. Yep. So it, it was it was fun. I loved it. I really did love it. So what was the normal? What was what was your favorite shift? What kind of, what kind of a day? Uh, my favorite shift was the seven in the morning until one in the afternoon. That was my favorite. But then there was a blizzard, and I was the only one. Now, mind you, I lived in Staten Island, mm-hmm. and had to drive out to South Plainfield, New Jersey. And people who lived out in New Jersey who were doing shows could not get to the station, but I did. So I ended up doing a three uh, three shifts because no one else could get to work until the roads were clear. So I did have to do three shifts and then drive home in all the muck and mire of the blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But it was great. I do. to a religious station which they only wanted to use as a bounce out which you probably know is for a transmission to get further their their religion out further to the media make like a a repeater for everybody right and uh, so everything everybody got let go and as a matter of fact they just tore the building down two years ago so you know, I would have done it until the till I passed away. I, mm-hmm. I would have, I would have died at the station. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I loved it. I really did. I did. I've missed it a lot. I mean, if you if you enjoyed it that much and you talk about it periodically, it was really part of your life. It it was a big part of my life. I just got offered to do a show, uh, an internet show. And I don't know, I'm thinking about it, possibly doing it, maybe doing it, maybe not doing it. I don't know. I just want to see, because right now I'm in the, I'm transitioning all my 45, 78 albums and cassettes onto CDs. And my kitchen table is just loaded with blank CDs and cases and cassettes because I said let me do the cassettes first because once I'm done with them I get rid of them then I go on to the 45s get rid of them 
then go on to the 78s, get rid of them, go on to the albums, and hold on just to the autographed ones and let the rest go. I'll just, I'll do a whole lot on eBay. What are you going to do with all of the space? I make room for more stuff. <laughs> As George Carlin would say, you get rid of stuff so you can buy new stuff. See? They speak our language. <laughs> they do. Are you ready for your fibber questions? Okay, I will take a stab at it. Okay, now we've we've gone, what is this, a half an hour, 45 minutes? Uh-huh. All right, we'll test your memory tonight. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, all I need is one, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, Fibber told Molly at the outset that his geranium was different from anything he had ever planted before. <gasps> was it different? It lived. That's right. Because <laughs> it lived. It was alive. <laughs> Very good. You've got it. Okay, now the next yep. one, and I know you were sharp enough to pick this one up. It, this was a special show in that it is one of the incredibly rare times that we heard Doc Gamble's first name. What was it? George. Very good. So this is a rare show. I didn't realize until I listened to it today that it was one that, that popped his name. And the third one, are you ready? I'm ready. I know you. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> you can't eat now, Teeny. Be quiet. <laughs> In the end, the geranium died, but he was still able to enter the Wistful Vista potted plant and pet show. What was he going to enter? He was going to enter the three-foot-tall grasshopper into the pets. That is absolutely right. Only Don Quinn could come up with it like this. Unbelievable. Three foot. So now do now do we get the music? Walden, do you have any, gosh, we won music over there? Uh-uh. I'm not that talented. Oh. You're going to find it in your files. He'll call you on Tuesday. Play it for you on Tuesday. Okay, we've got and performances. What else can we sell you tonight? Oh gosh. <laughs> Were you listening when I went through the history lineup that I've got? The new history stuff? Mm, no. When at the very beginning of tonight? Uh, sort of in the middle. Let me see what I got here. And I'm mentioning We're reading them more for Tony and. Um, yeah, uh, that's right, Ralph. Uh, the FDR yeah. death train and the World War II uh, public service announcements were... The World I... War II public service announcements I think I'd be interested in. Okay. I really like them. I'm I'm clicking into them periodically. And, of course, they're short because they're ads. Some of them are much longer. But, you know, they're like one minute, two minutes, three minutes type thing. And um, World War II PSAs. Okay. Um I think I think you'll enjoy them. They're pretty cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think I will um, because aren't they? A, um, weren't they a lot of propaganda as well in them? There probably were. I haven't listened to enough of them. I mean, hold on and let me see how many are in the file. I mean, it's like a huge number, but because they're not long, you can fit a huge number in there. Let's see. Yeah. Well, Nolan cracked me up when he was talking about the 1958 Impala with the turntable underneath or 
He had a 1958 Ford with with the Impala's turntable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Under the radio. Yeah, and he was... <laughs> he had it in his dashboard. What a trip. Nolan, you're a trip. A record player in his dashboard. <laughs> I do, you know, there's one man who loves his stuff. <laughs> Listening, Nolan. My father would have done something like that. God rest him. He he would have done something like that. Good. Because he, he was into all that stuff, too. Uh, there are approximately 80 in here. Um, oh, good. Some of them are Bing Crosby, Fibber McGee and Molly did four or five of them, Frank Sinatra, um, Orson Welles. So the, it, it's a good collection, and it it deals with a whole diff- bunch of different things, like joining the wax and saving your scrap fat. So mm-hmm. good. You'll enjoy it. Let uh, me know how forward to it. How you love it, okay? Good. Well, I thank you, and I will continue listening. And thank you, Nolan, again for the information. And thank you for being there, you two, and keep me going. And I'll talk to you again next week. And in two weeks, though, I might not be able to talk to you because it's my birthday, and I don't know where my husband will be taking me and dragging me off to. Hawaii, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your mouth to God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on a wing and a prayer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the only way I'll get on? there. Yeah, yeah. So, but if I miss the show, know that it's only because I'm okay. out somewhere, not because I don't want to listen or you're having a good time. Involved. All right. Okay. Sounds All right. right. I'll talk to you next week. You bet. Have a good night. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. There she goes. Eat no Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Seven one four five four five two oh seven one to our hotline number. And we love to hear from you. And we have another set of questions for Walden and these I think there are a couple in here that I there are a couple I know you're going to know, but there are a couple of others that you might need some help with. Let me answer a couple of the earlier ones I gave out. Um, I asked who the first Republican to run for the uh, presidency. Yes. And that was John C. Fremont. General John C. Fremont. Um, and he was the first Republican candidate, uh, was, uh, nominated in 1856. And that's where Fremont, California is named after him. So, there you go. And let's see who's there. Hello there. You are on the air. Well, good evening, guys. Fred, how are you? Hi, Fred. Oh, how are you guys? Good. How is stuff? Well, it's been quite a week. Really? Quite a week, yeah. Bad week? Good week? Uh, well, we've kind of gone both ways. Um, bad is that my PayPal account's all screwed up. Uh-oh. And I can't, they canceled my subscription to you guys. I gotta reactivate it. I I don't know what's going on. So apparently, something happened on the nineteenth of August that was suspicious. So they limited my account, where it can put you can put money into it, but you can't take it out of it. Well, that doesn't sound really cool for your end. It does, and there's like three steps you're supposed to do to reactivate it, and I did the first two, 
And on the third step, you can do like one of three things. And no matter what I do, it kicks me back to this other page. And it won't reactivate my account. So I'm going to have to call them or something. It's frustrating. What, what did it claim happened that caused this to trigger? This suspicious activity on the 19th of August. And I don't remember even logging in then. I don't log into that account very often. Did you go to the list of transactions, the received and the send archive up there to see? Yeah, there was nothing there. Nothing was I didn't lose any money or nobody took any money out. Oh, you're somebody no, I don't know what it was. Like I said, i got to call them, find out what's going on. Because um, I sell on eBay, too, and that's where all my money goes from where I sell. Oh, 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 oh boy. You got you got two possibilities going on up there then. Yeah. So eBay, of course, owns PayPal. Right. PayPal owns eBay. I'm not sure. Well, eBay, I guess, owns PayPal. Well, I got to figure it out anyway. Um, so that, that was that. And then yesterday, or no, day before yesterday, I've been driving for 25 years, and I caused my first accident. You okay. So that was pretty upsetting. Are you okay? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was just stupid. What happened? I was running late for work and taking a left onto another road and uh, cut it short. And the guy was there waiting at the intersection to pull out, and I hit, hit him. So, so it, I want you to tell me that you have two cars that had a little bit of damage, but people are okay. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. All right, I feel better. A little fender bender. Mm, but 25 years, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I was always, I always brag about it all the time, too. <laughs> Never cause an accident. That's what you get when you run your mouth, you know? Uh-huh. Well. There was a suspense show based upon that. Yeah? Concept. Starring James Canny, the safety driver, and he going to drive to pick up a safety award, and he gets into an accident. Okay. <gasps> yeah. Oh, well. What are you going to do? Yeah. What was the end of the show? How did it end? I don't remember. Well, then. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I, I think he killed, he, killed the, he killed the person and he tried to, he tried to hide it. Oh, ooh. One of those stories. Yeah. 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 And he asked a question before, and I said, oh, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. What is it? He said, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> We're having a very screwy trivia night tonight. You're not advising me to go out and kill the other driver, though, are you, Alvin? Well, you know, if I did, <laughs> I don't think I'd be here. So it'd be, it'd be pretty hard for me to run away if I did that. So, yeah, <laughs> I agree. It'd be pretty hard for you to do it. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. Well, anyway, I do have a couple of pet stories for you. All right. Okay. We love pet uh, stories. Uh, I got a ton of them, but I'll give you the best two. Okay. Um, when I was... Well, probably about 16, we had a dog, her name was Shia, and my dad, she was a pound dog, and my dad would take her everywhere, you know, in, in his truck. And at the time, dad was, uh, one of the th what he did for a living was he'd go around to auctions and buy stuff and have a perpetual garage sale going, you know, nine months out of the year. And uh, seven days a week, he'd, he'd resell it. And uh, 
he was headed to something, and for some reason, didn't want the dog to go that night, that day. And so he said, you're not going, and and, and made her stay. And you could see her. She was, she was whining about it and, and was not happy. Well, he pulls out of the driveway. She's laying out back next to my mother, who's, who's uh, sitting down watching the garage. He pulls out of the driveway and takes her right and starts going down, you know, down the road. Well, she takes across, uh, she takes off across our lawn and jumps into the passenger window of the truck as he's going down the road. Okay. <laughs> and, and, to this, and she hit it dead on while he was going down the road. And to this day, he said, it's a damn good thing the passenger window was open. Oh, my gosh, yes. She had broken her neck, yeah. And she got to go. He was like, you know, he didn't turn around. He, he, he took her with her. <laughs> well, he didn't have very much choice at that point, did he? I don't think so. <laughs> That's good. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was a, she was an impressive dog. Um, and the other one I had is uh, wasn't my pet, but I lived with a as one of my jobs was about 15 years ago was I lived with a mentally retarded man who was well, he's probably in his late 20s, but he functioned more like a 13 year old, mm-hmm. 14 year old, and he had a cat, and he. This cat was was a when he was a kitten was on a farm and and when when this person I took care of took got him we lived in kind of in the city and he didn't want anything to happen to him so he basically made him into an indoor cat bought the litter box and then uh, well the cat was preoccupied with getting outside uh oh that that's what his whole life was all about it wanted to be outside and one day he was gone for the weekend. I don't remember where he was. So I had some friends over to the house. We're playing a Dungeons and Dragons game. <laughs> and uh, I'm smoking a cigarette. And I think I'm the only one that's smoking. But a couple of people who were playing couldn't handle the smoke. So we cracked open the window. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not thinking anything of it. And then, you know, two hours go by, and I noticed I hadn't seen the cat, and I'm like, oh, shit, you know, darn it, what's wrong with the cat? And I said, and Mike goes over to the window, we had a lot of snow that winter, so the window, the snow came almost up to the window, and he showed off to a little paw prints on top of the snow going away from the house. So I'm like, okay, leave the, leave the window open, he'll be back. You know, sure enough. Not 20 minutes later, in through the window to get something to eat comes the cat. So my cousin goes over and lowers the window so it's too low for the cat to get out. The cat comes back, and everybody's watching it. It gets up on the windowsill. It takes its paw and literally starts lifting the window open. <laughs> so Lloyd grabs the cat, puts it back in the other room, comes back in, puts the window back down to where it was, and then takes a two-by-four. It's the type of window that you can uh, slide up. Uh-huh. So he puts the two-by-four from the top of the window to the top of the windowsill so you can't lift the window. Okay. Okay? 
And again, 15, 20 minutes go by, and here comes the cat again. Meanwhile, this time, everybody stops to watch because you're ready to laugh at the cat, you know, because it's not going to open the window. Well, it gets up on the windowsill, and it tries to lift the window. The window won't lift. This cat doesn't miss a beat. It looks up, sees the two-by-four, gets up on its hind legs, and it's swatting at the two-by-four. <laughs> Wow. And I just dropped my jaw. I was like, that's just that's just way too smart for a cat. Damien two in fur. Unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, it was just I mean, didn't miss a beat. Just like, okay, the windows suck. Ah, there it is. <laughs> I'll fix that. That's funny. It's amazing it's, that he's having to lock him in my bedroom until everybody left, yeah. It's amazing he didn't find a way to get out sooner if he was that smart oh he's been out before he has been out before yeah um it wasn't the first time he'd gotten out uh and then, but before the difference was paul would go out and find him you know bring him back uh-huh um but it was cold it was the middle of the winter and i wanted out to go traipse out in six feet of snow to find some stupid cat Please, you're talking to a cat person here, sir. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I knew it'd come back. It was hungry enough. <laughs> Love my kitties. <laughs> oh, oh no! You, you give me a choice between a cat or a dog. I'll take a dog any day. I know. Well, you know, I think a cat is you either love them or you don't. Not not too many things in between. I mean, I don't I don't mind cats. It's just that, Every cat I've ever had has always been a real pain in the butt. <laughs> so, I guess I guess I've had negative experiences. I mean, I loved all the cats I ever had. Don't get me wrong, but like one used to wake me up. I had one at college every single morning at six o'clock in the morning. It starts sucking my mustache. <laughs> More gross in the world. <laughs> you wake up in the morning. There's a cat sucking under, and, and he wake me up every morning. Every morning. <laughs> Oh my God! Don't awake. <laughs> this is this is out of control. <laughs> oh, you are the same word. cat that killed the mouse in my apartment. I woke up in the morning and it's in my bed, a dead mouse. <gasps> so I take the mouse and I throw it out the window. You would have thought I killed that cat. I've never heard such a sound in my life. It sat beside that window and made this god-awful sound for hours. And I'm not lying to you. I went downstairs. I outside got the damn dead mouse, brought it back up, threw it out in the hallway. We were looking at a closed hallway outside our apartment. And threw the cat out in the hallway and let us play with the mouse so tart's content. I, I couldn't take the sound. It was awful. It went wrong, Walden. <laughs> it was awful. Well, you know, he thought it was a present to you, and you rejected him. That's why, that's why she cried. It was, but, you know, I, I just can't handle waking up to dead roses in my bed. I'm, I'm not sure I'd, I'd feel very warm to that. I had a kitty that brought a snake home for me one time. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it wasn't a big one. It, it was, uh, a, it, and it wasn't a garter snake. It was a green. I don't even what kind what kind that was, but 
she played with rubber bands. She would hold the rubber band and kind of snap it and, and pop it across the floor. So I'm guessing that she thought this might have been a giant rubber band and this one wiggled, but <laughs> they, they bring gifts to you. And she marched into the house and just kind of dropped it on the kitchen floor. It was like, this is for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> this is really cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's what my cat was doing, too. Like, here you go. Yeah, that was the only outside cat I ever had. Everything else was... Little toy. But, no, I wasn't impressed. It was, you know, I mean, I mean it's not that I don't mind cats, but I got a dog now, and he's he's like my little kid. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Um, we've, <laughs> we've got We've got some trivia stuff tonight. Are you in the market? Oh, I don't know. I can try. I'm not. Well, uh, you always say that. Listen, about, and uh, you listen, always know. How about your next dog? How about our next dog question? Okay. Um, we don't have any more dog questions. I, I you created. Had, you had a, I got one for I, you. I created one. Yeah. Go ahead, Brad. What's your dog question? Well, I don't know if it was on the radio or not. I know it was on the TV version. Mm -hmm. Who called his dog dog? Say that again, please. Who calls his dog dog? Who calls his dog dog? Oh, come here, dog. Um, oh, here, dog. I know there was a radio show. I don't, but I, I don't know if he called it this on the radio show or not. I know he did on the TV show. Dog, just plain dog. Just plain dog. And everybody asked if that was his dog. He'd be like, no, he goes where he wants. Walden, do you know? I think I'm going to know when Fred tells me the answer. That's the problem. I think it's in my mind somewhere. You call him Dog. Come here, Dog. <laughs> here, Dog. You know, <clears throat> here's an interesting... Well, oh, oh, Fred, what's the answer? And I've got a story behind that. Like I said, I don't know if it was on the radio show or not, sure. but on the Western, Brian Keith of the Westerner on TV. Ah. Uh, oh, I don't know that show. Uh, it was, well, there was a Western radio show, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. There was a Western, you bet. You it bet. It was the same, it was a, a TV show called The Westerner. Ah. Starred Brian Keith, and he called his dog, Dog. Well, here's a little, there. here's a little inside story about Yesterday USA. Um, you know, Kim, our lovable Kim Bragg loves animals, I think we all know. And she has quite a menagerie of animals. Well, she'll find one, a stray, or, or take one home and build it. Well, <clears throat> I'll let you keep it if I get to choose the, if I get to choose the name of the, of the pet. Well, as Kim said, Bill's memory is not always the best, so everything, as you can guess, Big Bird, Cat Kitty, <laughs> Everything came after the, the, the species. I like it. Yeah. And the, and the dog is? Uh, puppy. Puppy. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Here, puppy. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Yeah, puppy, kitty, big bird, you know. Cannot go wrong. No. <laughs> but it happens. I like it. Yeah. I've never named a dog. I always get my dogs at the town and they've already got names. So you, you, and you keep them? Yeah, because I figure, you know, I mean, I look at, you want somebody changing your name when you're 14 years old? 
15, you know, I get them when they're two or three years old. And yeah. They're already used to their name, and I mean, why the hell change it? Okay. Well, I can live with that. What's that? I can live with that. I mean, you know, because like, I mean, dogs, you know, they'll come to their name, and they're used to their name. and. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's, that's very kind, because not everybody would think of the Poochie like that. Yeah, well, so I've never ever had to name one. And I, I never want a puppy anyway. As much as I think they're cute, they're just too much work. Oh, it's an awful lot of work to get them through puppyhood. Yeah. <laughs> you are so right. Okay, I have two questions for you. Okay. <laughs> and I have one, too. Okay. Oh, that's right. You had a doggy question. What's your doggy question? Who had a, his dog, Tig? Oh, Tig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Tig. It's T I G. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Tig was? No, I don't. Okay. Go ahead, Patricia. Let's give out your two questions. Okay. Your two questions are What color was Hopalong Cassidy's horse, and what color was Hopalong Cassidy's hat? One of them will get you a CD. One of them will get me a CD. I don't know, Red. Red horse? Yeah, why not? <laughs> that does not earn you a CD. <laughs> what color was Hopalong Cassidy's horse? Oh, brown. Black. What color, what color was Hopalong Cassidy's horse? Uh, I said brown. I said black, white. There you go. <laughs> Hoppy had a white horse. Now, what color was Hopalong Cassidy's hat? It would be white, then. White hat. Every good cowboy is supposed to wear a white hat. Yeah, the white hat and ride a white horse, yeah. Wrong. Hopalong Cassidy had a black hat and he wore a black outfit. Isn't that amazing? Bad guy. Bad guys wear black. Who else wore black? What other cowboy wore black? Well, all the old Westerners. Whenever you watch John Wayne, all the bad guys wore black. No, 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 no. Yes! The only other good guy I can remember that wore black was Zorro. Zorro wore black, and the Cisco Kid wore black. That's right, he did, didn't he? Uh-huh. There might be more. I'm, I, those are the only three that I can come up with. That's true. Hopalong Cassidy had a black hat, which... And all the old westerns, all the bad guys wore black. I know, I know, which makes it so surprising that Hoppy had a black outfit and a black hat, which looked really cool on him because he had the shock of white hair and the white horse. So if they, you know, from a color coordination standpoint, it was excellent taste. Right. Went well together. Yes. Everything was, it it was lovely in an ensemble. You're absolutely right. Okay. What would you like? Well, you've already given them away, but can you make copies of the, before you send it out, of the the World War II announcements? The uh, PSA announcements, you bet. Yeah. I'll take a copy of those. Okay, you got them. Cool thing for a history buff. It, uh, are you a history buff? Oh, yeah, especially American history. Uh, World War II and the Civil War, those two eras. Mm-hmm. Fascinate me, yeah. Okay, if I have room for um, FDR's Death Train on the same CD, would you like that too? Sure. Those are really good uh, because those are on-the-spot broadcasts that were done. Oh, okay. So I think you'll enjoy that. Okay, Death Train, you've got it. And remind me, um, speaking of Halloween, to call you folks up and tell you about the Lincoln Death Train. I don't know if you've heard of that. On Halloween? On Halloween. Supposedly, 
every year, a certain time, people see the train go through. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that. Walden, were you aware of that? Nope. It's nope. a famous ghost story, yep. Okay, well, on Halloween, you call with a ghost story. I'll have to do that. Please do. Put it okay. on your calendar. Have a good night, guys. All right. Hey, thanks, Fred. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I was just thinking, Patricia, we're going to be on October 30th, I think. So that's going to be the anniversary of Wars of the World. Was it the 30th or the 31st? It actually was the 30th, the day before. Was the 30th? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get them messed up. Now, hold on. On October, Saturday is the 30th. Yeah. You are so right. So, 714-545-2071 our number. Give us a call. We're wide awake. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. Our bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and our ears are twitching. Which, 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 which? Are you ready, Walden? I'm ready, Patricia. Are you ready? I've got a couple of um, really nifty things for September dates, and then I want to ask you some questions. All right. All right. Here's a fun one. September 7th and 8th in 1921 mm-hmm. was the first Miss America pageant, except... It was titled at that time, The Golden Mermaid. No kidding. Wow. Is that a hoot? I don't know wow. when it changed. Um, I, I, prob- I, I tried to find the year that it changed, and I couldn't, and I just didn't want to spend any more time looking. You know, I think, I think when it switched to the Miss America passion, it probably came up with the right co- combination there. I think so. Yeah. But it, it was at Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. They're all in bathing suits, and it was in front of the ocean. So Golden Mermaid sounds, you know, kind of hokey, but... Well, now, I wonder, was Atlantic City a really happening place before it sort of got run down? I guess it must have been. It, it was a vacation attraction. Yeah. And it always had the boardwalk. I mean, somebody obviously had to build the boardwalk. But the boardwalk was the main attraction. Mm-hmm. And it was wide. It's wooden planks. Um, they had pier that went out into the ocean. So it, it really was quite a special place. The pictures of the early uh, Atlantic City are quite striking. Quite striking. Um, and, and the old ones have the women in the bathing suits that would probably catch you. You didn't even need an undertow. Yeah. Brown because those things got wet and they weighed 72 pounds, you know. <laughs> yeah. You didn't have to put somebody in cement overshoes if you wanted to drop them and drown them. You could just put them in one of these old bathing suits sure. and they'd sink to the bottom. So, anyhow, I thought that was kind of neat. The Golden Mermaid was the original name for the Miss America pageant. Wow. And in 1807, for the American history buffs, Aaron Burr was acquitted of treason on September 1st, 1807. Ah. Isn't that good? That was uh, good for him. Uh Uh-huh. September 26th, 1960. You probably know what this one is. And we're going to be playing that uh, on the anniversary. Are we? Yes. Uh, I suppose on Sunday night, I will be playing the the Kennedy-Nixon debate. That is exactly what it is. Yeah. And here's a question for you. And I'll take within 25 years on either side. The world's first submarine attack was in what year? Um, um, American. Eight, 18, 1863. Eight, say that again. 1863. 1863. Mm-hmm. You are 113 years off. 
1776. Wow. Wow. Isn't that incredible? It wow. was part of the revolution, the American submersible ship called the Turtle attempted to attach a time bomb on the flagship of the British Admiral Richard Howe's ship, the HMS Eagle, wow. New York Harbor. Wow. 1776. Wow. Obviously, it didn't work. They would have said it blew up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first attack, we had a submersible wow. um, vessel at that time. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And one more that is just mind-boggling. A professional boxing match. Uh-huh. Okay, it, it was redone on September 28, 1811, between the same two people, because on December, in December of 1810, <clears throat> I don't have the, the day on that, but in, uh, in December of 1810, Tom Molyneux, born at Virginia Plantation in 1784, fought an English boxing champion named Tom Cribb, who was narrowly defeated after 39 rounds wow. in the ring. Wow. It only ended because he collapsed of exhaustion, the Britisher. Yeah. And so a rematch was held on September 28, 1811, and Cribb retained his title after 11 rounds. 39 rounds. I, ju I couldn't believe this. How could anybody stand up? Yeah, I, and I think they had one that went much longer than that. Um, Cribb in 39 rounds? Yeah. I know there was a baseball game that didn't quit. <laughs> I didn't know about a boxing Oh, match. yeah. You know, some, some of those champions, Jack John, John's... Uh, Jack Johnson and some of those early champions, he, no. he, they just went on and on and on. Well, this one for 39 rounds went That's on, and good. on and on and on. That's I pretty mean, good. It's, it's amazing they, they stayed upright. So those are my fun things for you today. And here's another one. Okay. What happened uh, 10 years ago this coming Friday, September 17th, year 2000, 2000 on Yesterday USA? Walden's anniversary. That's right. How many years? It'll be 10 years. This coming Friday, I'll be doing interviews and things for the station. Ten years. Ten years. Oh, you're not a little kid anymore. Uh, I still am. Started when I was one, so that's pretty good. <laughs> I guess that's pretty good. You yeah. were ten years. Um, you were uh, precocious, I guess. <laughs> you got a head start at one. You were doing announcing. Yeah. Good. Yeah, ten this years. Good. Okay. Well, I've got. Let's see. Oh, nobody wanted Hal Perry. Uh, Cinderella, and nobody wanted Basil Rathbone, so I'm going to enjoy them myself, and maybe next week somebody will like them. Okay, are you ready? Ready. This, this, ready. this is your next set of questions. Okay. And if there's anyone out there listening who can help you, now is the time to listen and call in with the answer for Walden, because there are a couple, just a couple, that might give him a little bit of a run. Okay, here we go. This is um, the name. These are names for Walden. You have to give me the names here. What was Chief Gates' first name, Chief Gates in The Great Gildersleeve? Dale. You're darn close. It was Donald. Donald, yeah. It was Donald. Yeah. And that came out. I need your help at the end of this statement here. 
do you remember when they had the little baby? Yep, I sure do. And uh, they didn't know where she came from, right. and they had this name the baby contest. Right. Uh, the whole nine yards. And by the way, I have an ad. Let me see if I can find. There it this is. The, I have uh, an ad that ran the, in Wednesday magazine. A full page ad about the name the baby contest yeah, from the Great Gildersleeve. Fall of 1948. Everybody, you want to look for this series? It yeah. was. Um, Yes. Well, it, it was uh, September 29th, 1948, when they were talking about naming the baby. Right. And Judge Hooker came in, Mr. Peavy came in, all of the characters came in, and they offered suggestions about the name the baby should have. Right. And Chief Gates came in and wanted to name the baby Donna after him because his name was Donald. Ah. Uh, and that's that's the one I found. It very may good. have appeared somewhere in the four million years that the show ran. Very it might have appeared good. somewhere else. But in this particular show, that's where it came out. He was wow. Donald and therefore the baby should be named Donna after him. Very good. Now, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. The the name of the baby and this is from my, my brain Gildersleeve would periodically say, this baby is roaming all around. She's roaming here, she's uh-huh. roaming there, and uh, at different shows. So the word roam was very much part of this baby's character and personality. Right. The name that won the contest, do you remember the name that won the contest? Romeo, I think. And you're pretty close. It was Romarie. Romarie, okay. So the word roam became part of her name, but mm. I don't know how they spelled Rome Marie. I don't know if it was like Rome, R-O-A-M, right. and then Marie, or if it was all rolled into one like R-O-M-A-R-I-E. And I tried to find the name at various sites, uh, old-time radio sites, even my underground caves, and I could not find the spelling. But that was the name they decided on for right. the baby in the Name the Baby contest, and... Chief Gates is Donald. <clears throat> but this full-page ad has a picture of Hal Perry in his Gildersleeve face with a, a little baby and uh, the message with a balloon over him, help send a winning name for this baby girl. Big banner win a, ni- a new 1949 Ford in Parquet Margarine's $50,000 contest. They gave away 20 Ford cars. Yeah. 20 cars. And then a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, coffee makers and mm-hmm. toasters and table radios and $10 bills. I mean, it, it just went on and on. It went for five weeks. To market, to market, to get some parquet, home again, home again, to and buy it today. We love it. We like it. We, just, we say, if I can't remember the rest of the commercial, <laughs> of I think they said that they spell parquet, you know. P-A-R-K-A-Y. Yeah, something R-K. like that. Okay. Yes. Okay, so that one. Um, you're forgiven for that one because, as far as I know, so far, I've only heard it one time. Okay, this one I think you know, Frank, because I knew it, so I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, anything I know is old hat to roll. Anything you know, I know better. Anything you do. Anyway. Okay. One, <laughs> of, one of the bright people and one of the people I love a bunch, Franklin P. Adams, ah, who yes. was on Information Please had a middle name that began with the letter P. What does the P stand for? Pierce. Very good. See, I knew you would do that. Yeah. Now, this one I think you'll know. Who was the frontier gentleman? What was his name? J.B. Kendall. Excellent. The next one you're going to have trouble with. 
so she said. (laughs) (laughs) As she gave you two questions last week and you didn't even have to stop and take a breath. Okay, this next one. Johnny Dollar, in yours truly, Johnny Dollar, never got married. But he did have a girlfriend. Now, this is the Bob Bailey part. Bob Bailey had a girlfriend. What was her name? Could be a version, but Betty, I think it's Betty Lewis. It is Betty Lewis. Wow, you are too cool. Yeah. I thought that one was going to give you a fuss. I, I remember getting with a pretty good run in the 15 minute that he would be seeing Betty Lewis, and that just rings a bell. Yeah. By Virginia Gregg. Uh-huh. A really good radio actress. She didn't pop up very Two. often. No. But in that 15 minute series, the five in a row of 15 minutes, because she was part of it, it was like over and over and over and over and over yeah. again you heard her name. Yeah. So I understand that, but you remembered it. My gosh. You're good. Oh, well, don't tell anybody. Oh, I'm going to tell everybody about the pie. The pie? The pie. I'm I'm, I'm not finished. When I get finished with my list, I'm going to tell you about the pie. Okay. Okay, this one I know. I know you know this one. What was the name of the character played by Ransom Sherman on Fibber McGee and Molly? That would be Uncle Dennis. Ransom Sherman? Mm Mm-hmm. Was Uncle Dennis? Yes, he, he was Uncle Dennis for a while during the 1943 season. Uh-huh. Huh. Who else did he play then? Um. Uncle Dennis? Yeah, huh? Um. Okay, Uncle Dennis, for one little period of time, had a speaking uh, role in the 43 season. Okay. Um, let me see, what else? I'm going to give you credit for this one because I didn't even know he played Uncle Dennis at any point. (laughs) This is a V8 slap on the side of the head. You know it. I know you know it. I can't even give you a hint. I can hear the voice in my head. I know. Yeah. (laughs) And it was so distinct. Yeah, Rankin Sherman had a a very easy spot in voice. Um, In this character, he he had a speech pattern or a way of speaking that was distinct. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can hear it in your head. I mm-hmm. know you can. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, know. I don't know, Patricia. Okay. It was Sigmund Wellington. Ah, okay. Sig- yeah. Mund Wellington. Yeah. <laughs> he was the <laughs> owner or the um, manager of the local movie theater. Ah. Uh. You recall that? No, nope. no. Nope. He came in and, and announced yep. one time. He was yep. only on a very short time yeah. um, on Trevor McGee and Molly, and immediately after he finished that run on 
on whichever season it was. I'll have to go look up the dates. Well, I think he was in the 41 season, but that's just my gut. Okay. But I know he he went and did a summer show for them in 41. And that was uh, right after that, and he wasn't with Fibber McGee and Molly very long. He did the summer show, and it was yeah. extremely successful. I mean, people really loved him. Actually, that was the, that's the reason why we have the Great Gillespie, because um, Johnson & Wack did the audition for the Great Gillespie, and uh, I think the nephew or somebody of the average really wanted to use Hal Perry, the great Gillespie, as a as the summer replacement. But the uh, advertiser or somebody wanted to stick with Ransom Sherman for the summer show. Mm-hmm. And he was so, the guy was so frustrated, he went and sold it to Kraft's food. So that's why the Gillespie went over to Kraft. How interesting. Yep. I really, I I did not know that. Of course I didn't know it. I, I spend my whole Saturday night saying, I didn't know that. 